ground and air targets from long range. Along with defensive weapons, six AIM-120 advanced medium-range air-to-air missiles, AMRAMs, on external fuselage hardpoints, the Vampire Bomber carried two Stealth Hawk UCAVs, unmanned combat air vehicles, on a special rotary launcher in its center bomb bay. Resembling wide, fat, winged surfboards, the Stealth Hawk drones carried small but powerful precision-guided missiles and cluster munitions to attack hostile ground targets. The Stealth Hawks could be retrieved, refueled, and rearmed inside the Vampire, allowing each drone to attack dozens of targets while the mothership stayed well out of range of anti-aircraft threats. Patrick punched the radio channel command, entered a password, waited a few moments until the secure channel synchronized, then spoke. Fortress, this is Avenger, secure. Avenger, Fortress is secure, the 8th Air Force senior controller on duty responded. How are you tonight, Taylor? Just fine, General, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Taylor Viner replied. Taylor Rose Viner was a young and talented aerospace engineer and command pilot that Patrick had tried for years to recruit to Dreamland, the top-secret weapons center in Nevada but the mother of twin boys had opted for a halfway normal family life as one of the ship commanders in charge of 8th Air Force's command center. Go ahead, sir. We've detected a new SAM site in central Turkmenistan, an SA-12 less than 40 miles outside the city of Mary, Patrick said. It's not a threat to task force aircraft right now, but that's only because we're stealthier than the average bear. If we put up any standard reconnaissance aircraft, they'd be dead meat. What do you want to do, sir? I'm requesting permission to launch a Stealth Hawk UCAV over the city in an effort to ascertain the Russians' intent. Are they armed, sir? Patrick hesitated, and that's all Viner needed to know. General, my recommendation to you would be to launch another aircraft immediately that is armed exactly per the frag order to replace the one you have on station. Patrick decided she was right. We'll continue monitoring the situation, Colonel, Patrick said. You can put in your report that we have Stealth Hawk UCAVs on board the Bobcat patrol aircraft and that we are ready to respond immediately if necessary. Please mark the SA-12 battery contact report urgent. Let them know we're standing by. Roger that, sir. Fortress clear. Patrick sat back in his seat and studied the displays in front of him. Well, Darren, I sure hope I didn't piss off the brass any more than I already have. If you'll pardon an unsolicited observation, sir, I think they're probably going to be perpetually pissed at you whether or not you launch the vampires with UCAVs. Patrick nodded in agreement. He was right. This whole mission was a no-win situation from day one, and Patrick was the center of the shitstorm. The United Nations Security Council resolution ordered aerial observation of Turkmenistan only. President Thomas Thorne, in a surprise move, pledged support, and the council accepted. The Secretary of Defense ordered U.S. Central Command, the major command in charge of military operations in Central Asia, to set up round-the-clock reconnaissance. Central Command, in turn, tapped the U.S. Air Force to perform the reconnaissance task. At first, the Air Force tasked 12th Air Force, the Air Combat Command headquarters that owned long-range reconnaissance aircraft, to plan a reconnaissance schedule. But the 111th Bomb Wings aircraft, already deployed to Diego Garcia during the initial conflict in Turkmenistan, offered so much more than just simple surveillance. An unmanned Qual-52 Dragon airborne laser aircraft could protect as much as 20 million cubic miles of airspace from ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, aircraft, and even some ground targets. The unmanned QB-1C and QB-52 flying battleships each provided as much offensive and defensive firepower as a flight of tactical fighters. 
At Patrick McClanahan's urging, Central Command vetoed 12th Air Force's plans and ordered 8th Air Force, in charge of the Air Force's long-range bombers, to deploy McClanahan's Air Battle Force to patrol Turkmenistan. The high-tech bombers of the 111th Bomb Wing had acquitted themselves well in the opening conflict with the Russians, and this was seen as a reward for their efforts. Besides, they were already in place and knew the tactical situation thoroughly. This decision managed to upset both 8th and 12th Air Force commanders. 8th Air Force had its own fleet of strike aircraft, of course, 160 long-range B-1B, B-52, and B-2 bombers, and several hundred aerial refueling tankers, along with a dazzling array of cruise missiles and precision-guided munitions. But they were all back in the States, or providing long-range patrol duties with U.S. Navy surface action groups around the world. Although administratively part of the Air Reserve Forces, most of the men and women in the wing were part of the Nevada Air National Guard. The 111th Bomb Wing operationally belonged to 8th Air Force. But when it came down to it, no one at 8th Air Force knew how to deploy or fight with the high-tech gadgets at Battle Mountain Air Reserve Base. They had no choice but to place Major General Patrick McClanahan in charge of the operation. The decision did not sit well with many Air Force general officers. No doubt they were all waiting for Patrick and his fleet of robot planes to fail. Darren Mace let Patrick stew in silence for several long moments. Darren was a bit older than Patrick, but his Air Force career had not been nearly as successful until he met up with the young two-star general. Now, as operations officer of the 111th Bomb Wing, Darren Mace commanded a growing fleet of the most high-tech warplanes on the planet, the majority of which were created by Patrick McClanahan in the super-secret Desert Research Center at Elliott Air Force Base in Groom Lake, Nevada, commonly known as Dreamland. A few years ago, aerial warfare expert Mace had made his living flipping slides and making coffee for generals and administrators in the Pentagon. Now those same generals and bean-counting bureaucrats were coming to him asking for answers to America's tough defense problems. Want to bring that vampire home? Darren asked. And replace it with one without stealth hawks aboard? Patrick looked as if he didn't hear Mace. He was staring intently at the tactical situation display. Finally, he pointed at the screen. You see anything wrong with how that SA-12 is deployed, Darren? Darren studied the display. Something had been nagging at him ever since the surface-to-air missile battery had been detected. Well, I wouldn't have put it there myself. Why? It's too far south, Darren replied. If we were going to fly a strike mission against Russian forces coming from Ashgabat, we could easily circumnavigate that SA-12. Which tells you that maybe the Russians have another SA-12 battery farther north. Exactly, Patrick said. How many batteries can a single SA-12 command post control? Up to four. Almost a hundred missiles total. We might have two or three more batteries sneaking their way east as we speak, Patrick pointed at several laser radar returns well north of the SA-12 battery. There's a bunch of newcomers up there, but we haven't identified them yet. They could be SA-12 batteries. I wish we had authorization to send some tin-man recon units into the area but that was not going to happen. Part of Patrick's air battle force, the Tin Men were small commando teams outfitted with electronic battle armor, sophisticated sensor systems, and high-tech infantry weapons. Naturally, the Russians didn't want them anywhere near their troops. They convinced the United Nations Security Council that the Tin Men were nothing but search-and-destroy squads, not a monitoring team, and so were forbidden to enter the theater of operations at all. I think it might be time to take a look, Darren said. Eighth Air Force might squawk if we launch a stealth hawk, but if we move the vampire bomber in for a closer look... Do it, Patrick said. 
Darren smiled and pulled his headset microphone closer to his lips, issuing orders to the technicians in the virtual cockpit behind him in the Battle Mountain Battle Management Center. Moments later, Patrick and Darren watched as the unmanned vampire bomber began moving farther and farther north. Laser radar transmitting. Radar now classifying some of the vehicles as transporter erector launchers, Darren reported. We might have something here. What next, General? Open the bomb doors. That should get their attention. Into his microphone, Darren ordered, Send to Bobcat 07. Open center bomb bay doors. Do not launch UCAVs. Repeat, do not launch UCAVs. The QB-1C Vampire III bomber had the radar cross-section smaller than a bird until one of its three sets of bomb bay doors were opened. Once that happened, radar energy bounced and reflected inside the bomb bay, making the bomber's apparent size on radar jump exponentially. Seconds after Darren issued the order, they heard a computer voice in their headsets. Warning, threat radar, SA-12, 11 o'clock, 22 miles, surveillance scan, warning, data link active, SA-12, 11 o'clock, 21 miles. There it is, Darren remarked. You were right, sir. They have another SA-12 system farther north, and it's a lot closer to Mary. They have full radar and anti-aircraft missile coverage of the city now. He hit his intercom button. Bobcat 07, close bomb doors, activate all defensive countermeasures, and get out of there fast. What do you want to do with the SA-12 batteries, General? Kill them, Colonel, Patrick said simply, punching up the data link code for 8th Air Force Headquarters again. It's an unidentified hostile threat that is not authorized by United Nations resolution. I'll notify 8th Air Force of our actions. Yes, sir, Darren responded enthusiastically. Bobcat 07, this is Bobcat. Designate the SA-12 contacts as hostiles and attack. The Vampire flight technicians hurriedly reprogrammed both the Vampire and its stealth hawks for the attack.